Welcome to Discover Indie Film. I'm Jeff Howard, and this is going to be a really fun podcast for me. I'm really excited. I've got Regina Hofmanova, or as I would say as an American, Hoffmanova, but, but Regina, you want to say where you are? I'm in Prague, Czech Republic now, and it's really cold. Prague, Czech Republic, during, and it's December 19th. Yeah, yeah. So, so very, I've been to Prague in the winter. It's funny, when I was in Prague, and this is not, this is not a travel podcast, we're going to talk about you and your film and, and, and your work, but, but I love Prague and I love travel. And I remember uh, being lectured by some local Czech people saying, you know, our country's Czechia. Um, and, and they were like, like this whole no. Czech Republic thing is just, you know, not we're really Czechia. You know what? Czechia is very artificial. It's a new artificial word that the government decided to impose because Czech Republic was just very long. I mean, formerly we were Czechoslovakia and my part of the country is actually Bohemia, which I thought would be like really cool. But there's a little part sort of bordering on Slovakia. It's, it's Moravia. And they're like, oh, you can't call yourself like Bohemia. So now the government decided that they would come with this. It's it's an artificial name. And most of us, most of my friends, most of my colleagues always say Czech Republic, to be honest. They say Czech Republic. Yeah, yeah. I know. I agree with you. We have Bohemia would be wonderful. You know, what go back to pre-Holy Roman Empire times. I love yeah. I love European history. I find it so fascinating. And, of course, it is cold as heck there. And I, f- I always figured that's why there's so many wars. Everyone, everyone was so cold. It was like, I don't know, let's warm up. Let's fire <laughs> some guns just to warm up. <laughs> <laughs> frustrated, exactly. But it's too frustrating. You notice in the warmer climates, people are more peaceful. Maybe I'm wrong. That's true. There's and sometimes it's just, just too hot to do anything. Just like have good food, take a nap in the afternoon. Take and a nap, eat, eat some food. Well, anyway, I have now rambled about the Czech Republic a little too long. I'm going to mention your film, Guest, which I love. You know I love it because we, we did a Q&A by Zoom when it was at the Sherman Oaks Film Festival last year in 2022, where we showed it in the theater, which was a wonderful experience for me. Of course, you couldn't fly out we don't expect people to fly no, out from europe i but, would have loved uh, to yeah it was i can tell you that the audience loved the film uh you won the grand jury award for best short film dance and the audience award for best short film dance it's just boy it's such a special film and you've heard me say before how much i appreciate you know i i, I love dance i love dance films I have no coordination. So for me, it's pure appreciation of the grace that other humans have. I'm even on the, I get to be a guest curator for a dance film festival in the UK called the Exeter Dance International Film Festival. It's EDIF, E-D-I-F-F, which the creator of that film festival uh, says it's like a fun play on words that like it's Aunt Edith. Like your, but, uh, okay. but so I, I love, I love dance films, but, but your film is particularly enjoyable for me because you step outside traditional dance film norms and you have your characters do some dialogue and you tell, I mean, they always tell a story through dance, but you tell a story through more than just dance. So I just, I think guest is just, I will, uh, I will love guest for the rest of my days. Oh, I'm thank sure, you. I'm sure when I'm so old, I can't remember my own name. I'll still be like, oh, that film guest. Remember remember the way they danced in that apartment at first? So, oh, thank you. That's so kind. Oh, it's my pleasure. And so, you know, as I say too often at these film festivals, it sounds like I love all movies, but I really don't. Like, we get 850 or so submissions and so really? I, so I talk about the 60, 65 that are in the festival that I think are wonderful, but trust me, like we could sit down oh and watch God. some of the ones that don't get in, like some of the lowest rated ones. And I could be like, let me tell you why everything about this film is bad. But in your case, I'm going to say how everything in the film is good because, you know, it was in, in the, oh, at the, you. at the top of the heat. 
Thank you so much. I, we really appreciate it. And like uh, being selected for the festival was one of like the highlights of the festival circuit. And I'm really sorry. I couldn't, I would have loved to come to the festival because frankly, we had the film screening at three festivals within about 10 days in the United States. So it would have been ideal for me just to like festival hop but of course, you know, the financial aspect is a little bit yeah, too. You could have done a little difficult. US tour. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been cool, but next time, next time. Next time. Absolutely. And you know, if you're ever uh if you're ever planning an uh, a US trip and uh and it happens to coincide with a festival, let me know in advance. Maybe I'll be a super corrupt festival programmer and slip it in if you want to see it on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. right it's pretty brief I, I forget how long a film it is but just 10 minutes yeah it's 10 minutes so you know sneak it in there but anyway because it would be, it would be i love seeing these films on on the you know screen. you know what they say about brevity so <laughs> yeah yeah all right well like we always do oh wait and so i should also mention that guest is going to be a part of the discovery indie film tv series uh when i get my act together and get the next season done. So that's going to be exciting. So people can go to discoverindiefilm.com to learn more about that. Or you just go to Amazon Prime Video and you search for Discover Indie Film. Right now there's seven seasons up. Guest will be part of season eight. Uh, When I figure out my time commitments, man, I've been a bad bad, uh, TV producer, a great festival runner this year. Our oh, you've got lots on your plate. Hmm? You do so much. I do too. I mean, much. you've got lots on your plate. So, like, you're super productive. I admire. That's uh, funny because it never feels that way. It always feels like I'm super I, productive. You know, I know. I know. I'm like with myself. I'm the same. <laughs> I know because we have the mental list of everything that should be done. Exactly. And done. You well. can do more. There's always more you can do. <laughs> always more, and there's there's things we want to do. Exactly. And now, now this is, is becoming a chat about efficiencies. But, but I'll add that, that, hey, everybody, as of now, there is a nice young person named Calvin. And Calvin has become my podcast producer. So now, after we record this, I just put in a folder for him to finish up. Great. So hopefully that'll make me a more productive person next year that I've got a podcast. So shout out to Calvin Matson. Oh, shout out to him. Okay. College, college senior. And he actually does a good job. I, I love it. You know, I've no, I won't name names, but I've always tried to hire help. You know, everyone's like, you got to hire help. You got to hire help. Yeah. And you hire someone and you have high hopes. You give them a list of things and they, and it doesn't work out. Yeah. You, you say, here's five things that need to be done. And they do the one thing that interests them. And the other four don't get done. I'm like, well, if I want someone to do the fun stuff, that's that's not what I'm looking for. But yeah. anyway, I'm sharing too much because that's because I, I enjoy your company so much. <laughs> oh, thank you. But uh, <laughs> let's jump you, over Joel. to you. Let's uh, I won't even mention anything about myself or the podcast anymore and what goes on. You made a brilliant dance film. So I assume you I'm assuming there's probably I can't remember our talk last year, so I Assuming there's a dance background, the film background, do you want to just start where your creative journey started and when you felt uh, felt the urge to work in the arts? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, and thanks for the wonderful selection and the awards from Sherman Oaks. They really mean a lot. And thank you for, you know, following following up on the films and everything. It's really, really cool. But about myself, uh, when I was, uh, uh, by the way, sorry for this croaky voice. I've, I've got a cold, so there's nothing much I can do about it. But anyway, um, I won't really start with my childhood. I mean, I come from a family of like film buffs, my parents, even my grandmother, they were really into film. So watching films was always um, something we did. I didn't understand people who never owned a TV. I mean, we would, my parents would be like super focused on what we watch. And uh, I just spent 
a lot of time in my childhood going to movies. My mom would take me. But when I was growing up, and I sort of assume we're almost the same age, uh, being a filmmaker or like a director or being involved in film was only for like um, superior human beings or people who had the right connections, you know, some someone sort of untouchable. So I never even thought of getting into film when I was younger. And I had always been involved in dance, um, like doing ballet, contemporary dance. Uh, unfortunately, when I was growing up, I grew up really fast. I'm quite tall. So that a that was to the detriment of my dancing. And also I started having problems with my back and I couldn't do a lot of the stuff. But so then I went to study uh, languages at university, specifically interpreting. And after that, I remember going to see, uh, I've always been into dance, and I, I, I went to see the graduate performance of the Performing Arts Academy here in Prague. And I remember, I mean, this is cruel, but I wasn't very impressed. And I thought I could do that. And um, yeah, and I sign up. You had to do go through talent competition, and I got through. So I studied choreography at the Performing Arts Academy, and um, then on to went on to be a choreographer, which is a bit rich to say that because people like being a choreographer. There are dime a dozen, frankly. Um, being uh, like making your living purely off choreography is no mean feat, especially if you live like in a smaller country, there's just not enough work to go around. And I used to do some of my own projects, which I of course enjoy most, but at the same time, they're the ones that are the most difficult to pull off because you've got the financial aspect and you've got, you've got to self produce. It's like what you're doing. This you're, you've, 90% of the time you're doing the stuff that you don't like. You're organizing, um, you know, stage and the theater and promotions and promotional stuff and whatever. And then I did a lot of um, movement direction and um, choreography for opera, which I enjoyed initially, but later at some time, it sort of became this thing of I would have, I love to direct. I honestly do. Even I would have loved to direct an opera, but that's also sort of not simple. You have to be like in the loop to be getting jobs. And if you're not, um, then you get, you have directors going like, oh, well, you know, have the dancers do something in the background. Like, and I'm like, okay, what do you want to, do you want to talk about it or something? Oh no, just like, something and I just got fed up with it maybe I shouldn't have maybe it was my mistake because once you're out of the loop it's very difficult to get back in but at that point in time I thought like okay I've done about 10 productions I don't know whether I can handle this anymore Although I did enjoy, for example, working with the chorus, which most choreographers and directors, opera directors hate. They, not most, well, I don't know most, but the ones that I know, they don't like to work with the chorus. It's very difficult. You've got a lot of people um, that you need to control on stage and, you know, just like, uh, just like that. And then, after a certain time, I thought I'll be really cool to do like a dance film because I've um, seen all these, uh, a couple of these films by, I don't know whether you know this company, DV8. It's like a British, um, uh, the head of the company was Lloyd Newson. And he did, he was sort of a pioneer of dance theater in the UK well not a kind of a sort of specific dance theater in the UK and 
their shows were like really cutting edge. I really liked them. And he turned a couple of his shows into dance films, exactly the ones that I or you I think would like because they don't only involve dancing, they involve dialogue and uh, other things. They, they go from like A to B with some sort of purpose in mind. And I thought it'd be cool to do something like that. And at that time in Prague, this institution, and I won't name it, was organizing this workshop with a filmmaker that used to work um, as a film director with this company, DV8. And it was a workshop for choreographers who wanted to get into film and do dance film. So I signed up, or I wanted to sign up the first year, and I got rejected. And they were like, oh, you know, you're too late and whatever, um, next year. So... I was sure to sign up very early on in the following year. And they were like, fine, you're on the list. And I had like everything ready, uh, the script, the storyboard, mood board, everything under the sun. I had talked to the dancers and whatever. And two weeks, I think, before or even a week before they launched the project, I was delisted. I asked why I never got an answer. And that's when I thought, that's one of those aha moments when you think, okay, this isn't going to work. I mean, if, if if you want something done, you just have to do it yourself. And you can't like sit around and wait for someone to, you know, give you a bit of uh, good luck or good fortune. So then I went to London and I decided to go to film school. I went to Central Film School in London, did a filmmaking course. And um, yeah, then I did like various stints on other filmmakers' movies, like be it assistant director, assistant camera. Um, we did the 48-hour film project. Have you ever been involved in that? I haven't done one. I just, I just, most people I know have. Yeah, and, it's uh, it's like it a really like a really fun way to to turn around quickly. Exactly, it's like you learn so many things so quickly, and uh, uh, it's not for the faint-hearted. I can tell you, if you really want to do everything in forty-eight hours, you just have to have to push through. It's definitely and, a lesson in not being precious about the details, I suppose. Um. Exactly. But it's it's about things, for example, when we did it, um, we were working with some people from a different film school and they brought in too many people. We just had like assistants and assistant this, assistant that, runner. And like you can't you just can't afford to have that many people on a small set in a short period of time. So we had to let some of them go and. You know, and I was directing and you have to sit through the whole process. You, I slept like four hours during the whole weekend, uh, but it was fun because I was on adrenaline I, and uh, you have to, you know, supervise the editing, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so that was a good experience. And then I um, shot my first dance film, Steadfast which had been to um, like a dozen or festivals or 14 festivals. S still last year, we were at, at one festival because it was, it was based on a Hans Christian Andersen story. And so we, <coughs> I submitted it to this festival in Italy, which focuses on uh, dance films based on liter literary works, uh, which was, you know, exactly uh, the focus of the film. And it was very, as opposed to guests, it's very, very uh, visual and lyrical. Also, there's not actually much dancing in it. Um, and it's not long. Um, and uh, yeah. And after that, I did... Let, let me jump in and ask. Yeah. When, when, when you went to that film school in London uh -huh. and did the... But you were also just studying film in general, right? It wasn't 
Was there a focus on dance film from the beginning, or no, was it just just film in general? Yeah, yeah, film in general, which yeah. which is which must have been great to just look at yeah. the medium as itself instead of look at it just as it applies to dance. No, I didn't. I didn't really like. I'll talk about it later because I am not like somehow I'm not liking the label dance film. I know, I know that this is like how it's classified, but I prefer. Um, like films that involve dance or movement uh, and make it part of the narrative rather than just like, oh, we have this nice dance and it's going to be like nicely visual. Fine, that's fine. But I just wanted to study the whole uh, process of making of making a film. And I've actually found out that... Um, I hate to say it, but I was sort of like good at it. I don't know because I guess because in England, a lot of people have, I don't know how to put it. I don't have a problem telling people what to do because um, when I work for opera, you've got, I've worked on productions, 120 people on stage you can't just stand there and just like let everyone improvise. That's not what you're there for. Actually, people appreciate when you tell them what to do and when to do it. That's what I think. And um, so I thought, hmm. and then I went, uh, I also went to, have you heard of the Rain Dance Institute? Yes. In London, they also organize this big film festival, the Rain Dance Film Festival. It's really I know the big. gentleman who launched it. Oh, well, I don't know him well. What's but his name? What's his name? Dove uh, he's Canadian. Dove, right? D-O-V is his first name? I don't know. He's Canadian. Well, honestly, he started it. It was just it was just to, to counterbalance uh, Sundance, right? right? Rain Dance versus Sundance. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I and I took some courses and classes with them as well as a follow up um be, to get a slightly different point of view or a different focus on things because obviously if you have different tutors you you will be focusing on 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 different things and it, it was also really useful because I met a lot of filmmakers um that I'm in touch with until this very day and that's really cool. Some, you know, some of them are like me. They they do apart from filmmaking, they do other things um, to make a living. And some have become like you know, full time editors, or <clears throat> they work in post production houses and stuff. And uh, so it's really cool being able to share experience because if I'm if I have doubts about something, I always have someone that I can call and ask or write to them and say, hey, what do you do in, in this situation? Or have you ever come across this and this? Or do you find this and this difficult? And there's always some uh, advice I get. And that's actually really, really useful because here in Prague, it is just not like that, you know? Yeah, and then after after I did Steadfast, which was like that was really like a, a dance film, although without much dancing. I worked on a couple of commercial films, like with an artist. I produced like this short film for he wanted something that was a bit alternative to highlight or uh showcase one of his designs. And that was actually really fun. Um, so I did that. I worked uh, as a choreographer for some video artists. I did a video installation in London as well, which was shown in um, the Barge House in London, which is this sort of um, uh, very alternative, but quite well-known venue. And uh, yeah, and then... I came to Guest, but Guest has uh, the journey, the production journey was far longer and it wasn't really straightforward. Should I talk about that now? Just Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you've reached that point in the story. Um, because, and, but, but I was going to add that yeah. I 
I absolutely appreciate what you said that you took to directing and you took to understanding that people like being directed and like good. The thing is, it's good direction that people appreciate. When when there's a director who is throwing out nonsense or throwing out ideas that aren't congruous with what with the with the piece, then everybody reacts badly. But yeah, when a, when someone who understands what's going on comes in and directs people, yeah, artists absolutely love that. So I, I I'm saying can... you're you're good at it, <laughs> and and you discovered you're good at it through through the the program in in London. No, I I usually also like to be um, a bit lighthearted when I work with people, just throw in a bit of humor, you know, just show people, okay, this isn't like, uh, you know, we're not flying a rock spaceship to the moon. We're, we're not like, it's not brain surgery. We're actually just having a bit of fun, but, you know, let's give it some sort of concept or um you know, if something doesn't work, I usually turn it into a joke of why isn't working. And of course, if I make a mistake, the camera, the DOP can make them anyone like this, something wrong. So just, you know, we're, we're human. Let's just work on it in, in that respect. And maybe also I've been quite fortunate that I've worked with good people. I've never really had trouble with anyone on set or in, on the crew, which which is what I've heard, you know, sometimes filmmakers don't make the right choice. Sometimes there's tension or it's like what you said with people you select, you know, you assign certain roles to it, then it doesn't work out. But I've sort of been quite, quite fortunate. Um, so then with, um, with guest, Guest actually started as a stage show. I applied for a grant after many, many years in Prague because uh, I was coming back from London for various reasons. I was in London for about eight years. And um, I applied for a grant. And unfortunately, the grant fell uh like on the covid period so i i i got the grant and it was during the first covid lockdown then they lifted the lockdown then i did an audition and all was like uh you know uh sunshine and unicorns and everything and then we started rehearsing and it was obvious that the piece would never see the light of day because the lock the second lockdown was just like impending and it was a really really bad time because i had like two dancers who who foreigners and I don't think they fully understood what was going on because the government was always like, Oh, and now we will, you know, cut the number of people in a venue to, I don't know, 40. And you knew what was coming, but of course, I, I don't know whether it was like that in absolutely every country, but maybe, you know, in different cultures or in different countries, uh, the government would be far more straightforward. It's like, yeah, lockdown, that's it. But like the gradual sort of picking of like, oh, now it's 50, 40, 30. You, you knew where it was headed. And so I the show was left hanging, literally. Um, the grant was gone. Uh, the funny thing is I had to pay, like the venue sent me an invoice, despite the fact that the show never really took place there. Um, and, and that a pandemic had caused the cancellation. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're invoicing exactly. you for something, for an act of, act of nature. <laughs> exactly. They wanted their money. Okay. Uh, I, I just didn't was, have. I guess they knew it was going to be their last check in a long time. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. And uh, then the following year, I thought like, okay, so I really want to do something about it. But 
that the point, the, the same grant institution decided that for the following year, they would award small grants for film precisely because they didn't know whether um, stage would be happening at all uh, that year. And that's the only way why, um, that's the only reason why we actually got this minuscule grant. And I thought, okay, so we've got a bit of the choreography and I've got one of the performers still. So let's try to turn this into a film. And yeah, it worked out. I mean, it wasn't easy, but it it worked out. It I worked out. And, more and, money. And, and you <laughs> spent, but you obviously spent some time because one thing you definitely do with, with guests is, is instead of obviously on stage, it would have been a single location. Something wonderful you do with guests is, is make great use of different locations and things. Oh yeah. So I guess was, there was a certain amount. Did you take some time to readapt it to the outside world um, or outside the theater? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, but I think, I don't know. I just like, I like to think about things creatively and I thought, okay, let's see what we can get. I would have liked more locations, but let, let's see what options are on the table. First of all, even getting the primary location, like the inside of the flat, that would have been an issue. And, um, Renata, who's like my right-hand woman and like assistant producer, she's actually a, a set designer, set decorator, uh, but she's really good at other things as well. She was like, oh, well, look, I'll do like, uh, I'll, I'll scout the internet, all these like Facebook sites that offer locations, uh, like film locations. I said, yeah, but we don't have money for film locations. Like we even met up with this um one uh, location scout from Barando of the big film studios in Prague who works on all of these American productions that, that they shoot in Prague. And uh, oh, she was like really helpful. And she told us all about like licenses that and permits you need to get for shooting outside and whatever. And she said, so what's your budget? And so we gave her the figure is like 90,000 crowns. And she said, oh, that's not a lot for locations. And I said, no, that's for the whole film, actually. And she was like, oh, OK. <laughs> and um, so so Renata then uh, went on and uh, on this uh, Facebook uh, page and she found this studio and it's actually a photographic studio that they rent out by the hour and it's really expensive. And I said, you're crazy. I mean, we don't have money for that. And she said, okay, so how much can you spare? I said, I don't know, 5,000 crowns. And it, it's just like nothing. And this is like for two hours. And she actually contacted the woman and the woman, like she said, oh, I love dance. I used to be in this dance group and da da da. And she was really nice. And she just gave us the studio for two days. No questions asked. Like, really, she was just like, please be respectful of the space. Just walk around and socks. We're like, okay, fine. So that was great. And then the other location. Yeah, the the, the outdoor <laughs> sorry, one. Sorry, sorry. No, no, I'm covering. We, we pre-plan <laughs> this anytime. I understand. I appreciate you going, fighting through your cold. And no, so I'm not, supposed to, I'm supposed to talk. I'm supposed to talk when you need little cold breaks. <laughs> and that one and I didn't react fast enough. No, no, it's fine. The The other location was our sound guy recommended it because he used it um, on a different occasion. And I, it's a location that's not far from where I lived. It's behind behind this old railway station and it's a sort of derelict factory and people actually live there like homeless people live there and i thought well can we shoot here does it belong to anyone no it doesn't so we just did a bit of guerrilla filmmaking no one was home during the day uh, right someone... so you were running the risk of some homeless people telling you to get out of their space yeah, and they actually turned up and like, because like our shoot was literally 
the DOP, myself, my friend Renata doing the sets, and the two cast uh, and uh, a runner. So I don't know, six, seven people. And like, so they turned up and my DOP was like, guys, you know, we're doing this. Uh, would you mind coming back a little bit later? And they were like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> which, is, that- which is such a refreshing, needless to say, that doesn't happen in Los Angeles. Nobody says, okay, oh, really? shoot your film. Wait, wait. Well, because we have the industry here, everyone always looks at a film set and goes, okay, how much money can I get them? Exactly. Like people will turn up their car stereo loud just so you'll come over and give them a hundred dollars to turn off the music, you know? Oh yeah. So we, we were really, really fortunate. I mean, these guys were really fine. And like the, with the first location with the owner of the studio, uh, like I just believe in honesty, although it doesn't really work for me every time, but I just like, I said, look, this is what we've got. You can check the grant on the website. This is public. And of course I will have to cover the rest for, we did a bit of crowdfunding. I'm never going to, never ever going to do crowdfunding again. I'm going public with this. Okay. No more crowdfunding platforms. Uh, and uh, so we covered a little bit via crowdfunding and the effort wasn't really worth the money. And yeah. And so, so most people like understood, but of course I would have loved to pay the cast and crew more which I couldn't. And uh, so I mean, with with uh, I mean, it is very fairly an art film. So, I mean, you know, how how do how do we reward people for taking part in art? Yeah, that's that's the big challenge. I mean, from grants to this to that Uh, in uh, in modern society, patrons of art are few and far between. Yeah, that's true. But I I keep thinking it's, you know, a lot of people do short films. And this is one thing I wanted to say about the dance film genre. I didn't really aim for a dance film. I just wanted to do something borderline, you know, like f- fiction, dance, experimental. And I thought someone is gonna like watching it uh i don't think people appreciate short films enough um a couple of years ago my local you know uh which is more of an art house movie theater um they actually screened the Academy Awards short film selection. This was, I think, two years ago. And the movie theater was packed. They actually sold out the movie theater. I mean, the manager came there, uh, came to speak to the audience. It was like, wow, like we've never seen anything like that because it was an interesting selection and each and every film was different. And then people voted on what they think was the best film. Um, I don't think, and I think like um, um, labeling things in terms of pure genre. I know like, for example, horror is like a very, um, has a very strict outline in terms of, and it has a very strong fan base. But then there's a lot of films that are in between genres. And I think labeling things strictly is to the detriment of everyone involved. I agree. I agree. And uh, even horror has a lot of breadth. But yes, you you are mm. yours. <laughs> well, you're speaking to the right person on that topic. But amusingly, with the film festivals, we've come to accept that in order to acknowledge as much work as possible, we do come up with the names, but we actually put all the films into a pot. We just judge them as films. But then when we give out awards, we're like, okay, you, you dance gets its own award because obviously, obviously comedy and horror and sci-fi drama, you know, I joke about this too often, but when there's a drama about cancer, how is the funny movie going to win an award yeah. on top of that? 
You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and art is valid, right. even if it's not sad or dramatic, but as human beings, you know, life and death type situations, it's very, yeah. So, so, yeah. but I agree with you that, uh, and I agree with you that there is every time people come to a festival and see a block of shorts, someone invariably walks up to me and says, you know, I didn't even know there were so many shorts to see. And, and this is, you know, it's, it's so rewarding to just watch shorts. That's why, that's why we have the discover indie film series on Amazon prime is because, you know, when, when it was included with prime, we got up to 10,000 viewers a week, you know, and then they, oh, that's they made cool. us start charging because they didn't like mm-hmm. it being included for free, but it probably would have grown and grown because, mm-hmm. In the end, I think I'm not surprised that theater sold out their day of shorts because, yeah. you know, when you sit down for a two hour film, you know, it's very hard to walk out in the middle if it's terrible. Or three and a half hour or film. three and a half. But if you like, sit down and watch, watch, you know, whether it's 40 minutes of shorts like we do at the festivals or yeah. a 90 minute block where you're just watching, it's just, you know what, if, if one it doesn't strike you, Maybe the next one will, and it's really a it's really a rewarding way, I think, to watch film. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to sit through something very long. And usually, a lot of these short films have, you know, quite a bit of depth as well, because you have to think about how to get your message across in ten, fifteen, twenty minutes. You can't just like waddle on for hours and you know rely on nice long slow shots <laughs> and and uh and i as someone who who loves people's creativity it's because short films don't make money no yeah, one is no exactly. one is making a short film no one's saying well if we put $150,000 into this and hire a name actor we'll get our money back like it's just yeah. not going to happen yeah. so shorts in, invariably i think are more creative in their problem solving because yeah. you can't use money to solve the problem. You have to use creativity and or favors, but, but, uh, but yeah, right. It's those creative solutions that, that are enjoyable to watch as compared to, you know, when Chris or Nolan is making a film, he, all right, well, we need another, uh, you know, let's put $11 million into that nuclear explosion effect. Yeah. 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 I know like you're it's right. an impressive thing, but it's not creativity. Like, but I like, think shorts have pure creativity. Yeah. But what I've realized now, because um, I've juried like a couple of dance film festivals, like there is a, a huge discrepancy between some of the budgets. Like I, I watch some films and you really see, I like, like you i like the creative solutions okay you don't have a big budget just use what you've got be like really intelligent creative sensitive about it but then you have i've seen short films with a hundred a hundred and twenty thousand dollar budgets like really how how are you supposed to compete with something like that unless you've got the same money and there are film festivals out there i know that expect short filmmakers to deliver like products with this sort of production value. Now, I don't know. I know that some countries give out like big film grants in Europe. It's generally places like Luxembourg, the Nordic countries, uh, Canada has like, I know I've spoken to Canadian filmmakers and they get like, Oh, I'm just like, I've got this grant for pre-production for a short. I could sit around a whole year and work on it. Admirable. Good for you. But um, not everyone has that opportunity. So, um, so yeah, I don't know what to do about it. I don't, I'm not very good at getting money. This is like really a big problem for me. I, I've spoken to a lot of people about it and they're like, Oh, you just approach these institutions, et cetera, et cetera. And the people that are good at it, they make it sound so easy. And 
Uh, I admire them for that. Unfortunately, I'm not one of those. So this is always my biggest um, issue, my biggest challenge. It is. It's a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge. But I don't you... know how, how do filmmakers, like most filmmakers in the States, do they use their own money or they do crowdfund? Uh... I think it's, it's, it's a mixture. It's a mixture of the oh. two. There's a lot of crowdfunding and, you know, which is, uh, you know, people need a nice social network to, to get pull that off. And then, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, very often the budget of the film is based upon, uh, how wealthy someone's parents were, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, like you can, uh, I have had those talks with filmmakers And, you know, it is a bit, it's an art form, but for some, not many, but for some, it is, it is the playground of the privileged. I mean, there's no getting around that. Exactly. That's what I said, like, at the beginning of our conversation that I, when I was very, very young, I used to think that filmmaking was for the privileged. And to a certain degree, it still is. I mean. It still is, but, but thankfully, Thanks to technology, right? Like when we were young, uh, you know, when I was in school, you there still really wasn't quite video. Video was just coming in, yeah. But it looked terrible and and was very lo-fi. And and now it's true. Uh, you put a nice little lens on a on a smartphone that attaches to it, and all of a sudden. And and every computer on everyone's desk at this point can edit film. Yeah. It's it's become more egalitarian than 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, definitely. Not to date myself, but yes, 40 years ago when I was in school. <laughs> definitely. It was uh you know, it was hundreds of dollars per minute just for the film and to develop the film yeah. alone, if if not yeah. more. It was so yeah, it's certainly so it's certainly a little better. So then, you know, you, so people can pull off a surprise. So. And that's true. But at the same time, I remember when we were doing the 48 hour film project, it was, um, we were studying. So we basically threw money in a pot and think, okay, this is what we can use. But then the film that there were actually full blown production companies that entered the competition. I mean, we weren't, in there to win any prizes or anything like that. But on the other hand, I saw really good films shot by one single person self-shooting like a film noir that I thought was brilliant. But of course it doesn't have the big production value as you know, big production company. Uh, I mean, this is almost 10 years ago, eight years ago with, with drones and like cars and all, all of this like fancy equipment, locations, cars, they would like drive around to, to country cottages. And I thought like, it's slightly unfair comparing people with, um, in that particular instance with a different starting point. Of course, I agree if you're running a big film festival and you get a brilliant film, you don't ask how much it costs. It's just a good film. And of course, it's got a bigger production value. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully there's always a balance and hopefully there's there's those, uh, you know, you don't want to use the term little, but there's those 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 yeah. films that that are more creative than expensive. And I have to say every every year there's 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 I think. Well, I think our festivals have a balance. I know some festivals, particularly in Los Angeles, all they care about is if there's actors, recognizable actors in them, and they don't care about the quality of the film at all. They just know that recognizable faces, you know, lift the uh, prestige of the festival because uh, I like to curse. So it's there's just star fuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. Uh... I, I, I've heard that as well. I've heard that as well, particularly. And I think the same applies to uh, like festivals in Britain as well. I thought like actually Rain Dance did the same thing. You know, they sort of pull films with big production value, well-known names. Uh, yeah. So I guess you need to sort of differentiate between um 
film uh, between film festivals some film festivals have some simply have a different niche you know yeah yeah for sure well so getting back to you so after guest did its uh festival run and whatnot yeah. and and i i uh what what are you looking towards you you still have the the fire burning to make more films oh of course yeah. i mean we've been lucky with guests it's been too like I think 14 festivals so far and we've come away with a few more awards and prizes which was like really uplifting and I can tell you the best thing about it is it was at this small uh this independent film festival in Scotland I couldn't go and see it, but I have friends in Scotland who went to see the screening and they said, oh, it went really well and there were a lot of people and whatever. And two weeks after the festival, I actually got an email from some people in the audience saying like, oh, we looked you up because we simply loved your film and you, the dance and movement just expresses certain things that other, the dialogue simply can't. And it was so sweet. It really warmed my heart because, um, you know, you, you know that there's just one person out there who's who's paying attention to your film. So that that was really cool. And that lifted my spirits. So this whole festival run and like the awards and the festivals, uh, really good festivals as well. Um that sort of lifted my spirits. And now I have another film in pre-production and I've already got like, every, you know, cast crew, uh, da, da, everything together. And I've got like a sort of portfolio, but I'm sort of missing. Of course I need, I need the money. And that's the problem because I don't want to go in for a grant. I, I, I don't know whether you've, put in a grant uh, for anything sometimes it depends what grant it is obviously in different countries but the filmmaking grant in the czech republic is like i know a hundred pages like how how would i even fill it in i don't know how to how to make it sound good i know that there are people who've received money but I might invest two months of my time doing something that's not going to bring any result whatsoever. So I'm going to try to get some private funding. I'm going to have to bite the bullet. I've got um, some advice. I mean, of course, I'm ready for rejection, but this is the only way I can get like anything off the ground and it's going to be another it's going to be a film that will also incorporate a little bit of dance but it's going to be crucial to the narrative and it sort of will border a little bit on um experimental i get to like usually also influenced by literature and visual arts like fine art um and uh yeah so it's gonna have all aspects of that and of course music so i'm toying with the idea of actually i prefer to work with music already in mind before i start shooting but this time i might try to experiment with someone composing music but that's a very big risk you know because the music might be good and it just might not be appropriate for your film or um so it is but, it is uh right yeah because you don't know what that composer will come along with and and uh one doesn't have the unlimited budget or exactly. no one has an unlimited budget but obviously in a in a bigger budgeted film you know you you get you get some feedback from the, or you get some early pieces from the composer and you can guide them in this and that. But you know, if you're, if you don't have a lot of money at hand, how, exactly. how do you make people write and rewrite and rewrite music for, for something? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas if you just find some good public domain stuff that fits you perfectly. You I'm, I'm fortunate. I have like friends who've got like really good musical libraries, um, who can provide me with music 
for uh, free or give me the rights for just like pennies. So that's not that big an issue for me. But um, yeah, I mean, lunch funding is generally an issue for most people and it is for me. But if I want to create something, I can't back down from it. So I just... Yeah, yeah exactly. Know. I mean, there'd be... <laughs> there'd be no films if it, if it weren't for people taking these risks and things it's it always amuses me when people ask the film festival for a waiver to submit because our answer to everyone is is uh we wish we could we under yeah. everyone always writes the same email uh at, at, now that we're done with post-production we're out of money and we've made this wonderful film. We, we'd love for you to give us a waiver. And the answer is, do you think anyone finished their independent film and has money left over? <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. But like one thing, I, this is one thing that I would like people to know because people who, um, like I also have colleagues, uh, uh, interpreters, because I still do a little bit of interpreting, which actually helps in terms of the film, because it helps me adapt the dialogue and uh, focus more on the meaning rather than on the words. And they think like, oh, well, you're just like sending your film out to festivals and it's like so much fun and everything. I said, yeah, but you don't you don't know that I have to pay for the submissions. And it's not every fe you don't get into every festival. That's not the way it works. And uh, you know, if I go to a festival, I have to pay for, go for going there. I, it's not like, oh, yeah, of course, it's great to see films and talk to people from the film industry, but it costs money. And this is what a lot of people don't see. And they're really amazed that you have to pay a submission fee for a festival. I said, yeah, how do you think they get like, you know, they... Uh, they run. But what I would do, I have to admit, like later, I, I never asked for a waiver, anyone, but uh, if the submission fee was fairly high, I would write to the festival and said, look, this is a type of film it is. Now, I appreciate that they still might not like it, but please, it's like, you know, a little bit of dance, a little bit of experimental. It's not very sort of mainstream. Just like, let me can you just give me an indication whether something you'd be interested in? Because of course, like I'm going to throw out another 30 or whatever, $40. I, I at least want someone to watch it. You know, it's fine. If you do, if you don't like it, you don't have to like my the film. Not everyone likes everything, but um, just, uh, just please like indicate if you're going to watch it or not, because as you know, there are film festivals out there that simply just watch 20 seconds of a film and. Ah, you know, I wish, uh, yeah, that's obviously true. I know we, we watch everything. I, although I do admit, I don't, I've never stopped at 20 seconds, but you know, I do joke with people when I say that, that we get about 1500 films a year between the two festivals. Yeah. And they say, do you, and you watch them all. I go, I start them all. <laughs> yeah. 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 But especially if we're talking, uh, boy, when, when people submit a feature that goes over two hours has to be perfect. If it's not perfect, right. uh, do you think we're going to devote more than two you know you add in a q a and all of a sudden you're talking about two and a half hours of theater time pretty soon you're getting up to the point where we could show two blocks of four short films and do q a's yeah. in the same yeah. amount of time as your single thing it's just you know it just has to be brilliant and you know maybe it is and I I understand because like when I I told you I was like during for this one film festival if you have like a documentary about dance and dancers and it's just like a little interview after interview after interview after interview and you have like nine hours of the stuff it's just very difficult to sit through it you know so I I understand. <laughs> No, no, I won't, I won't, I won't bother repeating myself too much, but, but I, I always tell people that, uh, 
Well, whatever. It's, it's just, the documentary thing is always very funny to me because there are good and bad documentaries for sure. Yeah. And and people think if they just have a great subject, it'll be a great documentary. And I'm like, no, no, no. I could I could show you two documentaries about the same subject, and one will be a wonderful film, and one will be just a, a film you can't get through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. take you can take an in, inspiring humanitarian who's done amazing things in their life, and if all you do is sit them down in front of the camera, and they don't quite tell the story well, yeah, it's over. Yeah. But that's that's great that you have another another thing brewing. I do. I most certainly do. And after the new year, I'm just gonna start following some some leads that I have, and uh, you know, just hope. That's all open and you know, things come <laughs> together not? just like with guests. Uh, your locations came together in yeah. a wonderful way, so yeah, you have to be you have to be open. This is and a very we were, thing we to say, but you have to be a, open to what the universe yeah. provides, right? And you know what? We were also, I didn't tell you, we were must missing one dancer 10 days before the shoot. We simply didn't have her. I just didn't know where to look. And then Daniela, um, the male dancer, said, look, I, I know this girl from like a dance class. And I just I hadn't even seen her. And I called her up. I said, like, would you be interested in doing this film? And she said, yeah, why not? Tell me more. I said, you want to meet for coffee? So we met for coffee. And I thought. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just like sometimes look at people and I think, yeah, well, that'll, but I, I have to adapt it in my head to who the person is and it worked really well. So, yeah. Yeah. No, sometimes, or, sometimes that's the wonderful way to move forward. How well, does it, how does the same fortune favors the prepared fortune favors the yeah, something like that. Something like I, that. I, it's, not, yeah. it's not rolling off my tongue, but yeah, it's it's yeah, and and all all uh, what 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 looks like good luck is is mostly preparation, right? Preparation. You have to you have to be you have to put yourself in the situation to to have good fortune. But I'm I think I'm going to wrap us up so that we yep. have time to get in your your four questions. For another seg- we'll, we'll do segment. we'll do that. So okay. that that's 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 the next podcast that'll be its own thing. So Perfect. and. Uh, as much as I want to chat with you at length, of course, I think we I have don't. to. Uh, life, but life gets so in the cool. way. I can chat to someone in Los Angeles. I think it's brilliant, you know, like being able to chat to you. It's such a long distance. It and, really is an amazing thing now. Yeah. You know, I know it all started with, boy, fifteen years ago when I first got to Skype with people who were were in Europe. It's like, wow, this is cool, and it's just got it's just become even better. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. All right, well, well let me do. Uh, I will do my. I will do my wrap up. Well, do you want to name? Uh, if people want to look at get. By the way, get and you. You. Uh, I'm. I'm not going to complain, but I'm going to ask you to to send me a link to uh to um steadfast. Okay, I will. I will because I haven't seen steadfast. I will definitely send you a link. It's a very different film. I'm looking forward but to I it. But I hope you like it. <laughs> but uh, do you want to share your your social media or or website that people should check out? I have a website. Unfortunately, I should do more work on it than I'm actually doing. It's www.reginahofmanova, my name, Regina, H-O-F-M-A-N-O-V-A, dot com. And I'm on Instagram under the same name. Uh, that's how uncreative I am. <laughs> well, or I would call you lucky that that you can get your name uh, Regina on, on these things. On try try getting try getting the name Jeff Howard anywhere. It's a very uh, okay. much too generic a name. <laughs> but I, I will make those clickable. We'll make those clickable links in the yeah. uh, in the show notes, as they say. And I will. Uh, do the quickest ramble I can to get us out of here so we can okay. record more, which uh, which we'll come back and we'll record. Uh, you talk about your favorite films and okay. some unfavorites. <laughs> but so so to share everything at once, uh, this is the, the Discover Indie Film Podcast. It gave birth to a TV series on Amazon Prime Video because I kept talking to filmmakers after the festivals and I found out the shorts needed a home. Every, all the features were ending up on streaming. The shorts needed a home. So if you go to Amazon Prime Video 
and search for Discover Indie Film. You'll see seven seasons, uh, 10 episodes each. Each episode is two to four short films. They're all wonderful short films from the festival circuit. And you can learn more at if you go to discoverindiefilm.com or it's at DIF Wins. Uh, Regina's film guest won those, those awards at the Sherman Oaks Film Festival in 2022. You can learn more about that festival that we hold every November at shermanoaksff.com and it's at shermanoaksff on social media. It has a sister festival every June, which is sunny, uh, called Film Invasion Los Angeles. And people can learn more about that if they go to filminvasionla.com and it's at filminvasionla on social media. Fingers crossed every once in a while, someone comes up to me and goes, hey, want a Film Invasion LA in London? Uh, Film Invasion in London. I'm like, yes. And then, I don't know, well, maybe someday we'll have a European Film Invasion. And the last thing to mention is just for people to go to watchtvhigh.com. Uh, just just go there, check it out. It's, a, it's another thing I did to try to help out indie films. Okay, I think I got us out of here. Thank you so much. Yeah.